The Hunger Games were showing at the cinema. I thought I picked a seat in the back row, but turns out what I had done is I'd booked a seat in the front row and I was looking at the screen the whole way round. Did they not say the front row is at the bottom when you booked your seat or did you do it online without any guidance? Kobe, I don't think you've really factored in how hungover I was. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favourite kill in there? Before <laughs> Let's finish on the dark note before heading to the scores. <laughs> Which child death did you most relish? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody joining Flix Watch today, we have Al. Hello. Sadia. Hi. And as always, Kobe. That's not like the close encounters. <laughs> if you didn't get that from the whistle, I don't know how you didn't get it. We're talking about <laughs> the Hunger Games. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Al and Sadia. Over to you please, Sadia, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are, please. Hi everybody, I'm a comedian, presenter and writer. So I've recently written a memoir called Sex Bomb and that's out available for you to buy in paperback. And yeah, I love all things comedy. I do love movies as well. And yeah, so that's why I'm here. Well, you said, well, for your book, each chapter is given the, is titled by a film. Can you give us one or two of the titles and why you chose those film titles for those, for those chapters? One of them is called There Will Be Blood. And I love Daniel Day-Lewis. That was a very scary movie that I could not stop watching. <laughs> I, I actually, talking about all these movies, I just want to like, I don't know, we should just do all of the movies in one podcast episode anyway I'm just digressing <laughs> but that was such a phenomenal movie I picked it because that chapter is particularly quite a shambolic period of my life and so it felt a very befitting chapter another chapter is clueless which is when I talk about being a little bit younger and not knowing much about dating and stuff like that so yes movies have inspired my memoir and I've used different fun movies to mark each chapter oh awesome who are you in, the, in my bottom right corner? <laughs> I'm Al. I am the host of the Script Apart podcast, which is a podcast in which screenwriters revisit their first drafts of beloved movies like Back to the Future, Die Hard, Brokeback Mountain, so on and so forth. I am a screenwriter, I'm a journalist, and very fittingly for today, I'm also someone who once had a minor panic attack <laughs> watching The Hunger Games in a <laughs> cinema by accident. A panic attack by accident? I mean... You don't have panic attacks on, on purpose, but I mean, give us a bit more. Well, no one has one on purpose, but <laughs> there was an accidental component to, yeah, I don't know how, whether you guys get this, but like basically like New Year's Day, I'm not a superstitious person, but on New Year's Day, I really feel like I have to start the year as I mean to go on. Like I really feel like a pressure to do something that shows some momentum, no matter how potentially hungover I am. 
I need to be doing something with that day. So yeah, this is going back years and years to whenever the first Hunger Games came out. But yeah, I was a little bit worse for wear and the Hunger Games were showing at the cinema. I thought I picked a seat in the back row, but turns out what I had done is I'd booked a seat in the front row and I was looking at the screen the whole way round. Did they not say the front row is at the, at the bottom when you put your seat or did you do it online without any guidance? Kobe, I don't think you've really factored in how hungover I was. <laughs> <laughs> and was it a full screening? Did you not feel you could just get... So- this was a full screening. So yeah, didn't have a great time. I was basically like watching it with like my nose touching the screen practically. Like, you know, I don't know if you, being in the front row, why do they have a front row? It's just not a satisfaction. They should make the front row six rows back. I've thrown tantrums about that before. I, I can't do it. <laughs> Can I break this thing for you, though? Because there's also the lunar calendar. So why? who's to say you go the first day of the year by that calendar? So I don't know. I'm just thinking if that was me, what I would say to myself to break out of the <laughs> pressure that I'm putting myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, like, yeah. look, don't worry about it. There's always the other lunar calendar to go by or something. I don't know. That's what I should have done. Yeah, but no. Instead, I just like, yeah, was completely overwhelmed by the sensory experience of, yeah, what it turns out for what is, you know, ostensibly a YA story. Turns out it's a pretty kind of bloody and violent and massive sensory experience. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a wild ride. I'm going to yes and you with that. I did exactly the same thing for Batman Begins in IMAX. Oh. And I that was my first time going to IMAX screening and Batman Begins, when Scarecrow went nuts, I was like, I don't. <laughs> know what is going on here anymore guys <laughs> and i didn't go to imax for years after because i was just like what's the point i don't say why we do this and then you go to imax for some like gravity and it's like well this is why you do imax this is because it's fucking excellent row e is like the lowest you can go you've got to go higher than that this is back at the time we would, me and my friends just decided to go see it like after in, on sunday afternoon we're like let's go and see it which seats left yeah let's go and see it anyway so i i can understand that panic attack situation because some of the scenes in this are a bit not you don't expect it for this kind of film anyway tell us what kind of film it is with the synopsis out have i got 60 seconds you've got 60 seconds starting now god okay pressure's on this is my own personal hunger games okay (laughs) jennifer lawrence plays katniss everdeen who is basically a girl living in this sort of dystopian future in this society called Pan Am, which is a futuristic version of America post this sort of very bloody revolution in which like a dictatorship is sort of taken over. Her younger sister is selected for this thing they have every year called the Hunger Games, where kind of like a battle royale type thing, they pit loads of youngsters from each of the different districts of America against each other. And there's one person left standing. Katniss's sister is picked So Katniss volunteers herself instead. There's a love triangle. The guy who she kind of is picked with from her district is kind of involved in this love triangle, as is her boyfriend from back home. And the whole thing spawned a bunch of sequels that kind of get to the heart of propaganda and war and what it means to, you know. Oh, look at that. I was close, close to finishing a sentence. Let's start with the the bit I'm least convinced about with this film and that love triangle. Sadia. Where were you on the Liam Hemsworth, the guy who plays Peter Mellock, because I don't know his name, and I'm not sure if he's been in films since. Did you say Liam <laughs> Hemsworth, isn't it? Yeah. What, what do you make of that love triangle in this film? A Hemsworth. I don't know. I don't really... <laughs> I wasn't that convinced, maybe. Helen, our love triangles, other films and this. I was just going to say 
that I'm a big fan of this film. I think the cast is great and there's a lot of stuff that I really like it. However, the two love interests are a bit wet. I think in terms of like casting, neither of them are particularly like hot, hot. And they're just a bit meh. I mean, at one point, Peter is dressed as a rock using moss that he's found <laughs> and he's lying down. It's not so, but I think it's it's more to emphasise the fact that Katniss is kind of taking on the male role and she's the stronger character. That's kind of how I approach it. But yeah, Peter, I don't even know who that actor is. I'm really sorry. I think he's a bit wet and I think he's a bit forgettable. And it's the other Hemsworth. <laughs> it's not like oh, no. the big one. So yeah, I mean, Stanley Tucci, I think, is amazing in this yeah. and always love seeing Donald Sutherland and Woody Harrelson is great. So, like, the older guys, like, they're cool and they look great and their costumes are great and they've got a bit of, like, pizzazz about them, whereas the two love interests are a bit, just a bit wet. What about your main guy, uh, Wes Bentley? I thought you could mention him. Oh, yeah, sorry, with his stunning facial hair. <laughs> what happened to him? He was hot, wasn't he? And then he wasn't... Times the breaks in Hollywood. But yeah, I mean, everyone else is hot apart from the two people who you're meant to find hot. Oh, Liam's not that bad. Don't say that. Lenny Kravitz as well. Lenny Kravitz is a sinner. Fuck it, he's in that. He turns up and you're like, shit, it's Lenny Kravitz. What's he doing here? (laughs) With his gold glittery beard. Oh, there's so many great moments re-watching this. It was great. I loved it. Al, like I said, I just wanted to start on on the bit which I didn't resonate with me. Where were you on the the love triangle before we go to stuff that's a bit more fun, I think, in this film? I think the love triangle is the most undercooked element of this film and the entire series. But Mm. I think there's a Trojan horse element to this where I think it's Suzanne Collins who wrote the book. It's almost as if like a lot of YA stories, a lot of YA novels have that at their heart. They're kind of love triangle. And it feels like one of the ways in which they, you know, she's like, well, I'm going to make this look like a YA story. Like there's a love triangle over here, guys. But actually... What I'm doing is I'm packing in this big meditation on sort of war and propaganda and the media machine. Capitalism. Capitalism. And I'm going to sort of like slip that in under the guise of a kind of YA action romance thing. So um, I think it's pretty smart. I think I do think some of the things that are quite wet about Peter are some of the most interesting things about the film. Like, yeah, he is quite wet. But the fun thing about The Hunger Games, I suppose, is because he and the other characters are constantly being surveyed either by the capital or by an audience as part of the games you're never quite sure whether someone's acting as themselves or whether they're sort of acting up to one of those different audiences so peter at various times you're like is his kind of are his like affections for her real or is he putting it on is some of his wetness kind of a ploy to kind of get pity and sympathy and there's just an interesting you can't ever quite pin down that character and it's only really in the later films that you kind of work out exactly who he is so yeah i'm a big 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 fan of this film and this whole series and yeah sometimes wonder if i had been a teenager when this had come out i'd have probably been pretty radicalized by it it's quite like uh it's, it's pretty impressive in sort of how riled up it gets you about some really quite relevant kind of political issues because it's not just i mean those are the things and maybe we can address the remaining films as part of this discussion without going into the spoilers and the books as well but I really enjoyed I thought I think this film is, is fantastic apart from Love Triangle which is why I set it up at the start but then the other book after this Mockingjay I think it is then it goes really into the propaganda side of things and the, and the anti-establishment leanings and it's like oh well this is 
they have she has really underpinned this whole story which is on the outwards outward side of it is is a you know, like say typical YA romance but it's so much more than that and it does make you think I think they've dropped the ball with the the last book and the last films just weren't as anywhere near as interesting as the second as the first two but I think the initial concept I think is is really really good and as you talked about at the start there Al being almost freaked out by being the front row of this there's some pretty brutal stuff in this both from a capitalist point of view like the the haves and the haves nots kind of thing is really starkly different but also the action in this is for, for a, a film which is ostensibly aimed at kids is out there really <laughs> i think i would have loved this if i'd been 13 when this came out this have been right in my alley yeah yeah it's funny like the action is so intense and obviously the concept is so similar that I, you know i've encountered a lot of people who are quite sneery about the hunger games and the phrase they always come back to is like <sighs> It's just Battle Royale. However, yeah. <laughs> my thing I yeah. always say to those people is it's like Battle Royale and Hunger Games. It's both this Greek myth. Like it's, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, so I'm just going to avoid it. But yeah, there's like Greek mythology that's this kind of, that's underpinning this whole story. And even the name Pan Am is, I think that's a translation of bread and circuses, which is like what it means to kind of distract people from their real problems you give them bread and circuses so like there's all this stuff threaded in through the movie that's kind of actually pretty profound but as you say it's like kind of wrapped up in a a little bit of romance some kind of tokenistic romance but also mostly just like a lot of bloody spectacle like there are some really intensive action scenes in this Helen, action scenes or your favorite parts of this film you said you liked it the bit where he hides his rock (laughs) (laughs) i just forgot that was in there and it was quite funny so catching fire is the second film mockingjay is the third yeah yeah i think there's some like serious kills because basically they have to kill each other to survive (laughs) so there is some like serious kills in that and i think it's really interesting that i really really like the costumes of all of the like what are they the the elite Oh, yeah, okay. they, the, not the, the, the districts are poor and sad and drab and it's awful and they're eating squirrels to survive and then the you know the elite live in this amazing place and they have these amazing costumes and i'm there watching it going oh yeah they look amazing like i just love the design and i'm like hang on they're evil <laughs> this is all bad but i'm being sucked into it and there's like amazing moment where she's wearing this dress and it catches fire CGI is a little bit shoddy, but it's still a great moment. And I just really love how she just doesn't want to play the game. She's just going to hang out and survive and is really conflicted about killing people to survive. And she's kind of like really reluctant to do it and only really does it when her survival is sort of depending on it. Like there's a moment with some mega wasps or whatever they are, where if you get stung by them... Or a I prefer yeah, mega wasps. It's really that's, scary. That's a great term. <laughs> really, really scary wasps that if they sting you enough times, they kill you or you have like a really, really bad trip. And she's involved in, in an incident that causes the death of someone through that. And it's just, it's really fucking bleak. And it's like really, really stressful as well because people are just getting killed and she kind of befriends, is it Rue, the, the, one of the, the younger competitors? Well, yeah, Amanda Stenberg is doing, doing decent stuff, things at the moment. They kind of have like this little relationship and it's really, really sad when she dies. So it's, it's a really hard-hitting, quite emotional film that is really intense and bleak, but it's sort of pitched at kind of teenagers. So yeah, there's a lot going on. I've seen Catching Fire 
which I thought was good and I didn't finish it off. I don't know. I think I was very much like, you're making too many films out of this. And I think it's interesting that they, they switched directors as well. So this was Gary... Gary Ross. Big Ross, so the guy who did Big. And then they switched to another director and... When they thought they can get more money. They kind of all brought the differently different things to it. So, yeah, I, I haven't finished it. So maybe it's inspired me to kind of like catch up on the rest of it. But yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting film. I think they, they're all on Netflix at the moment. So, I mean, if you've seen the first two, I mean, I, I'm going to go, Sadia, how, how many of these have you seen in the series, Sadia? It's just the first Only one you've this. seen all this. Yeah. I'm not a huge, okay, please don't hate me. I'm not a huge Jennifer Lawrence fan. So it wouldn't normally attract me to it. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I've said that. Oh, sorry, Katie. Um, but, what did we no, do that made you think? She's good. She's, I feel like conceptually this is like quite brilliant because it's like taking an idea into it. It's very extreme. And so that's quite a very fun space to experiment in. I'm mindful of kind of throwing that at younger people without kind of, I don't know, it's kind of almost like, it's not even titillating them, but it's like, these things, they don't really have like a resolution. So I think that's a little bit frustrating when I kind of like watch movies like this because it's just like you're stuck in this world. And I don't know, I suppose they're telling them a lot about the realities of certain agendas and situations and helping them make sense of a lot of the madness. But yeah, I think conceptually it's like quite striking and very thoughtful. I think it'd be, if you do get a chance, go to watch the subsequent films because it does go, like I said, a lot more deeper into the revolutionary side of things, less time spent in the actual, like, Hunger Games arena. And it, I think it loses a bit of focus when it gets there, but it's also, it's, it's quite engaging as to the overall direction that the author had gone down. And when you're talking about the, the shift in directors, Helen, I think the similar thing happened with the Twilight films, where for me, the first one was actually the most interesting with a more kind of independent spirited director. I can't remember that. Is it Catherine Hardwick? Directed the first one, and then they shifted. They were like, "We can make more money from this, so we're going to kick <laughs> you out and give it to a director that's used to spending more money." And I think that kind of makes it lose its edge as well. We don't get much of Toby Jones in this, which is weird. <laughs> I was a bit confused by how little he's in it. But it's always a pleasure to see him. <laughs> yeah, for how little he's in it, you could have just got anyone. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe Toby Jones just fancied a day out, day on set. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe just wanted to sit next to the Tooch with his radiant big smile and bright blue hair and stuff. I was just going to mention Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, I can be, I'm a, a bit hot and cold with her. I think sometimes she can be brilliant. Other times I can find her a little bit just n- not quite right. But I really, really like her in this. And this probably would have been, I think this is just great. I think she managed to bring that kind of like vulnerability and also that kind of like toughness as well and I was reading about it that when she was kind of cast and the film came out she was criticised that she didn't look skinny enough her physique was too too muscular for, for someone who apparently was living off squirrels she's so tiny but also even if she wasn't it's like that's such a horrible thing like to say yeah. about an actress well, they, like they didn't say that about the guys they weren't like hey these guys are too buff to have been living off squirrels so I just <laughs> think it's kind of interesting that She's, that she, she's judged on her looks, basically, is it? Is. Jennifer Lawrence is pretty good on the red the carpet, isn't she? She does. She fights back against people asking what clothes you wear, and she's like, "Fuck off." Oh, I like that. I kind of agree with you, Helen, in the Jennifer Lawrence thing. I always think of Arrested Development. There's a kind of running gag where Jason Bateman's always like to Michael Cera, talking about his, his girlfriend Anne, 
and just going, her, who? That kind of thing. And every time, for a while, people saying gentle answers, like, are we talking about the same person? Because she, she didn't seem to have this magnetic awesomeness that people had. But in this, she's like astonishing. I think she's great in this. In others, I'm like, she's kind of cool. But when you see her on the red carpet, when you see her personality does come out a bit, I think I can see why people work with her a lot. I can see why she does get interesting roles and, and things like this. And this would have been a fantastic, obviously, episode film series to be a part of. I'm sure she fully enjoyed it. Has she been, she's not been in any Marvel films. She's been in X-Men, I guess, but not any of the recent MCU stuff. No, that's been the extent of her franchise life and i don't think mm. i don't think that's where her priorities lie i think she much prefers the mother type projects of this world i actually quite yeah. like mother so you know i'm one of the six people on the planet that love it but that's an intense film as well <laughs> those are the sort of roles that she tends to be gravitating towards and uh, yeah i think we're lucky that we have her do you have a favorite kill in there before <laughs> let's finish on the dark note before heading to the scores <laughs> which child death did you most relish <laughs> <laughs> very dark Kobe. maybe not i mean maybe i've phrased that incorrectly but which one kind of hit you the hardest in terms of whoa that's that's pretty harsh i thought i mean the cracker jacket there's wasp that killed that one character who, whose name we'll never know her death was pretty grim with all the bee stings and then jeff Lawrence like peeling the bone out out of it cold stiff dead hands i thought it was quite nasty so bleak <laughs> the ones at the start when the timer goes off i think like one of the younger kids gets like bludgeoned quite early on the one with the little blonde kid with the curly hair yeah. and he just like gets like slaughtered with an axe quite early on oh well, he had no chance did he the starting off kills are the like cornucopia. you're like whoa yeah <laughs> it's gonna be bleak well, I did like that kind of setup where you had Woody Harrelson, Sinner, Elizabeth Banks' characters, like, training them up and, like, trying to teach them how to play the game a bit. And I like Woody Harrelson. This is a similar kind of character in the Edge of 17, where he's, like, a bit of a cynical, grumpy bastard in a way, but also having a bit of fun with himself. That's He's come to play that kind of role. He's a bit like that in the Triangle of Sadness as well. Like, if there's drinking involved, then it's like, let's involve Woody Harrelson. He's good at playing, like, a grumpy old drunk. <laughs> Any scenes for you, Al, that you want to pick out before we went to the scores? I'd say the scene where she being Katniss kind of throws the spear, like she's she's ignored. Does she throw a spear or does she fire an arrow? She basically like is being ignored arrow. as they're kind of, all these kind of elites are adjudicating the, the kind of contestants. They're all kind of looking away and having their feast. Yeah, she shoots this thing straight into the apple in a pig's mouth. And yeah, that was the real first sort of sign that, okay, everyone else is fighting each other and there's a trajectory here where she's going to be fighting them. And that's like really interesting. So yeah, there, there are moments like that that kind of make me sit up every time. And I don't know, I just enjoy the entire thing. I think it's structured really well. And even the sort of end fight at the end with the sort of mm. the kind of crazy dogs or whatever they are. Yeah, really, really good. Before we head to the scores, there's a new film coming out. How interested are you in watching that? And that's a prequel to, what, this film? What? There's a prequel to Hunger Games. Ow, tell me. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get the name wrong. I think it's called, it's a ballad, a song of snakes, a ballad of snakes and something or other. Let's just call it a prequel to Hunger Games. Let's call it Hunger Games Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. <laughs> so... Yeah, I have curiosity about this rather than sort of like counting down the days. Oh my God, I need to see it. Yeah. Uh, like I'm excited for it because some of the kind of 
talent involved is really strong but whether or not it's a story that particularly demands to be told is you know to be i I believe it's like the sort of origin story of snow and he is he's humanized here in a way that he isn't in the films in in the kind of existing existing trilogy or quadrilogy whatever it is so yeah i'm 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 like gonna watch it i'm sure it would be good the novel that it's adapted from did really well and got pretty strong reviews so i'm sure it would be worthwhile and to be honest like this world is just so rich that i can happily spend more time in there i'd I'd like to have the dots joined for me a bit more on how like america became pan am that sort of thing i'd like to spend time in each of the different districts a bit more i'm more interested in that than snow yeah yeah the rise of snow i think spending time in the different districts and that side of thing would be really interesting because each of the districts have their own kind of interest in makeup and rules and law and stuff like that and, and people that live there. So for me, if, if films were going to explore that, that would be really cool. Right, should we head to the scores? Let's head to the scores. <laughs> I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the stripped media family a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow stripped media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. The scores are always out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, please, Al, with your recommendability. Recommendability is five out of five, because I think this is a good, exciting action blockbuster. But I also think it's like increasingly relevant to the world we live in. And yeah, I think on those two reasons alone, it's a max. It's five, five out of five for me. Sadia. I will go for four because I think it's a solid watch. It's very violent, though, and I'm not a big... I don't love that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a great concept. I think people will really, really enjoy it and take away from it. Helen? So... I think this is a really timely rewatch to be thinking about it to kind of like get an understanding of dictatorships and what fascism could look like and being oppressed and people being hungry and the need for uprising and a revolution and people having power to make changes could be good to have a little bit of that and I I really enjoyed re-watching it I think it still really holds up I give it 4.7 I think some people might be put off by thinking that it's like kind of like a teeny film but I think it's it's much cleverer than that and much smarter so 4.7 I think the I wasn't going to say people being put off by the the teeny aspects I think some people might be put off by the level of violence that you're unexpected you're not potentially expecting for this kind of story so i'm going to mark it 4.5 because i think some people would i don't it wasn't overly gory just this kind of strikingly like oh holy shit i didn't think they were gonna actually twist a kid's head off his neck <laughs> so <laughs> 4.5 repeat viewing score ow five i mean it just as i say like the film was released got about a decade ago now and as helen kind of alluded to there it's like without bogging down the podcast too much with my political views i think like the idea of the hunger games in which like political powers can pit regular people against each other 
in Hunger Games or Culture Wars, whatever you want to call it. I think like yeah. the point the film makes in that regard only gets more and more relevant and more and more interesting as time goes on, seemingly. So uh, yeah, it, it's a film that really invites repeat watching, I think. Sadia? I'm going to go with 3.8. And the reason I'm going to say that is because, first of all, like Al alluded to, it's pretty much of a Hunger Games outside the window, you know what I mean, when you go outside, you know what I mean? So you're watching it anyway. You don't watch it for your entertainment when you're living it, is what you're saying? Well, for me, going back to my earlier point, is just I find it really frustrating when things are stirred up and then it doesn't lead anywhere. So I'm not inviting a revolution per se but I just feel like especially younger impressionable minds I think on one level it will be very inspirational for them to have like this information at a point in their life where they're growing and stuff but unfortunately in, <laughs> in my current position in the Hunger Games it feels as though it's difficult to kind of resolve very simple things let alone some of the bigger problems and so I just find it really frustrating when like yeah it feels like you're kind of given ammunition but you you can't really do anything with it I don't know if that makes sense but I just feel like it's a bit obviously maybe it's good as a realistic aspect to it that I just yeah there's enough hunger games around isn't it Helen I am inviting a revolution if you are interested in... <laughs> well, you're, you're allowed. I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the way things are going, everyone may end up in jail. Have they got big enough jails if everyone decides to protest? Can they arrest us all? Can they? If everyone decided? Anyway, different time. I, I feel better about this because of your confidence. <laughs> Katniss Helen, Dean. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I enjoyed the rewatch. I've seen it a couple of times now. Probably wouldn't watch it again, I think. I'd quite like to go back, I think, now and uh, rewatch Catching Fire and finish it. I think it it's given me enough kind of like, you know what, I really should watch this and put aside the fact that they split the last film into two to try and make more money. Put it aside because it's on Netflix now, so... Was that Harry Potter that did that first? Because... I, mean, I think so, it yeah. Tedious, wasn't it? I would say this is, I think it's, ju- personally, I think it's justified splitting the two rather than condensing it. This Ooh. is one of those that like, it warrants He's got a cheeky it. smile, guys. Yeah, I've got <laughs> a cheeky smile. <laughs> cheeky smile. I, think, I think it's... I'll trust yeah, you, Give Al. it a go, let me know what you reckon. I think it, it works as two films. Okay, I'll invest it. So on, on the basis of that, I'm going to go 3.5 for repeat. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for three. I've not seen it much. I, I saw it in the cinema, saw them all in the cinema when it first came out. Probably seen this one again, maybe once since then. I'll, I'll watch it again. Sure, why not? I'll probably watch the rest of them. If they plan to see the next one, the prequel, I'll probably rewatch the others before going back into that. And the others, you get some really interesting characters. Philip Seymour Hoffman notoriously died on whilst making the Hunger Games like sequels. So those they kind of make those films a bit more interesting in their own way as well. So... But this one, yeah, let's go 3.2. Small screen score. Ow. <laughs> well, you don't want to watch it on a big screen in the front row and have a panic attack like <laughs> you did. But you do want to kind of, I don't know, this is like a blockbuster popcorn movie. And if you want to just enjoy it on that level, then you can. So it is a movie made for the big screen. It lacks a certain something for seeing it on a smaller screen. But that said, kind of watching it on like, your TV at home on Netflix because you're not quite as dominated by the spectacle of all of it. You do what well, I certainly found myself a bit more attuned to kind of like the politics of it all and the sort of nuances of what it's saying about, yeah, all the things we've discussed, like war, 
governments and how Greed. they yeah how how they kind of manipulate. So yeah, it's a different viewing experience. I'd say it's a three point five on small screen ability. What was the official phrase we're using? Small screenness. <laughs> small screen score. Oh, okay, there it is. Close. Just alliteration there. Al. Nothing. Nothing like. <laughs> Trying small to challenge you. <laughs> three point five, Sadia. Yes, I will probably go for a three. I don't know what the budget on this movie was, but certainly a lot. And as Helen mentioned earlier, with the costumes and there's a lot of kind of grandeur. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think it is one to be celebrated on the big screen. But I don't know. I think younger people probably like their phones quite a lot and the small screen, so they probably would enjoy it. Yeah. Three. Three. Helen. Although I was way over like the target audience for these when they came out, watching the first one and the subsequent one as well, it felt like a really big event. I mean, we don't think we really have it that much. Maybe Marvel films a little bit, you get that. But it was a really exciting thing to try and catch this like super early at the cinema, sitting at the back, never near the front. <laughs> Oh, just digging into I owls just there. Feel the his nightmares. The we live panic in his nightmares. And the, in, oh, that would just—I couldn't do that. That said, the CGI maybe is not quite aged as well as some CGI. I enjoyed the kind of collaborative watching experience back in 2012. So I'm going to give it a four. I think when the new ones come out, you should definitely check them out in the cinema. But you know, this was fine for the rewatch. So four. Yeah, I'm going to join in the four there. I think it's fine on a small screen. I can't remember much about the soundtrack. And I think nowadays you have a few kind of more, even more bombastic miniseries and TV series, which kind of show costuming in, in a light. Things I haven't seen, like Bridgerton, for example. I think they, you know, they go deep into costume and stuff like that, which works really well on the small screen. Engagement score. Ow. It's another five for me. God, I'm getting predictable. Yeah, no, I don't Oof. know. There's something about this, this sort of combination, as I say, of like, popcorny the the sort of like gravitas of it politically and all that sort of thing all the kind of rich thematic nature of this movie that doesn't overwhelm the just bombastic roller coaster ride feel of it like there's you, you've got both so yeah all the way through from start to finish i'm a five sorry I will go for a four because it is pretty gripping and the gravitas of what you're watching is really hard to ignore. I just not a real, I'm not a big fan of violence. So that's a little bit of a, a downside for me. But yeah, yes, go with a four. Helen. So my brain had like a real struggle trying to remember what happened in this one and what happens in like the next one. Oh, really? It's like, oh, yeah, it was a bit like there's a moment in the second one that I was convinced like it happened in this one so when it didn't happen I was like that definitely must happen in the second one because it's not happened in this yeah I think it's pretty good I think it's it's maybe a little bit slow to get going but once they get into the training and like the game start like I think it's really well paced and yeah for the fact that I just struggling to remember what was going on I was pretty engaged so yeah 4.5 yeah another high score let's go for 4.38 Put somewhere in the, in the amongst the rest of you guys. <laughs> it's good fun. Uh, I like that uh, I was saying about, about it being like a popcorny flick and I think that's right. That's probably why, that's probably where it rank in my, you know, going to the cinema experiences. Like, let's grab a big bag of popcorn and maybe some, I don't know, cheeky ice cream Peanut as well. M&M's. <laughs> no, not peanut good ones. Good choice. I like that. Just the other pick and mix. Get some fudge in there. Why not? Get some fudge Ooh. and the fizzy cola bottles. Mash them all together. Ben and Jerry's, man. All the way. 
Well, my cinema is Baskin Robbins, which does disappoint me somewhat. But really? They have some, yeah. Oh, ice cream. Any ice cream. Come on. <laughs> but that gives Smuggle us an overall score of 4.130000, which is good. Yeah, it's good. Anything over four is a good score. Yeah. Guys, Al, Sadia, can you tell us where we can find you online and your writings and say goodbye to listeners? Well, you can find me on the Script Apart podcast, which is available from all your good usual podcast outlets. You can find us on Script Apart on all the usual social media places. And yeah, we're back soon with season four, which has some pretty insane guests. So yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, if you want to find me in my kind of personal capacity to kind of catch up on my writing for Empire and The Guardian and other places like that, you can find me on Al underscore Horner on Twitter. And sorry. Nice. When I'm not street performing stand-up comedy, I usually am on Instagram. I'm not usually on the streets, don't worry. No, I am a comedian, so you'll probably see me at a club somewhere, but I also write so you can purchase my book Sex Bomb which is my memoir in all good bookstores it's also on Audible and please do follow me on Instagram I'm at Sadia underscore Asmats Awesome thank you very much guys it's been a pleasure talking about Hunger Games thanks for listening thanks for being here thanks for coming on thanks guys bye 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 goodbye enjoyed this episode of flicks watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flicks watcher pod on twitter and we're at flicks watcher on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and rockwood audio's editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks watcher sent you You just heard a stripped media production.